0: Welcome to Lakeland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. Morning, morning. How's everyone doing? You're like, ah. Yes. Uh, so, welcome to everyone joining us online, everyone in VR. So glad to have you with us. Today's going to be a sweet day. I'm glad you're here. Um, God's up to something good, and uh, He's going to continue to work. As I know, He's already working. He's going to work today. How many of you guys? Uh, so, you just saw that video. Uh, he gets us put it out there. Uh, it was Jesus struggling. It was re- referring to finances. And if you've probably <laughs> If you've put any number of years under your belt, you probably have struggled with finances at some point in your life. But we know it's bigger than that, that there's other places where we struggle. Uh, ben alluded to it. How many of you guys remember to, uh, uh, this is this is gonna date me a little bit. This was one of my favorite books growing up uh, as a kid. Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Anyone remember this book? Okay, I don't know why I would read that over and over and over again. That seems really morbid, right? That's probably like, I don't know. That's horrible. I felt like while Ben was talking in worship, I was thinking to myself, I was like, that could be almost renamed Ben's horrible, terrible, or terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Uh, he, he experienced it or has experienced it. And I don't know about you, but I would imagine that every single one of us in this room, at some point, you've had a day like that. You know, kind of like a day where it's just like everything went. Horrible. In that book, it's like Alexander wakes up and uh, he goes down and he has uh, cereal, and all of his siblings are eating. And they open up the cereal box and they get a toy at the bottom of the box. In his, in his cereal box, he just gets cereal. Uh, on the way to school, everyone else gets to sit by a window seat, and he's in the middle. Uh, he once he gets to school, uh, he draws. Well, he doesn't draw a picture. Uh, his teacher likes the other kids' pictures more than his. Blank paper, invisible castle, you know? <laughs> and he just keeps going. It's horrible, horrible, horrible. And I all and the whole time through, he keeps going, if I could just only move to Australia. And maybe that's how some of you have felt in life, where you're like, you know what? I just need to do move to Australia. I just got to get out. I just got to get a new scene, uh, like scene around me. And uh, because we've all had moments in our lives where it's like, man, it feels like just plain old suffering. You're in the middle of a season Of incredible struggle. Uh, Maybe for you it's not the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Maybe it's the week or month or year. And it just seems like it's going and going and going, and you're wondering. When is this thing going to come to an end? Maybe it's because of some of the suffering you're going through is like a a medical diagnosis, a rebellious child. Uh, You lost your marriage, a miscarriage. Um, You're struggling with this addiction. You just don't seem like you can overcome it. You feel like you've been betrayed by a friend. Like, am am I talking to anyone here who's ever struggled? And by the way, if you're like, I'm not in that season right now, well, praise God for you. (laughs) You No, seriously, that, that's sweet if you're not in this season. But here's the, what I would encourage you to do. Take notes because you'll get there again. I promise you, there will come a time when you're going to be back in that season of suffering. and Because uh, we all face uh, seasons where it's just a struggle or we could call it a season of suffering. And the, the question that I have just at the very beginning here is, is does God even get that? Because God's God, you know? Does, does he get that? And I would say, yes, 100% he gets it because Jesus was fully God. He took on flesh. He experienced all that we've experienced. He struggled, and he gets our suffering. One Of, the, of course, uh, he was betrayed by friends. He, uh, he went through hardships in life, life. He lost people to death. I mean, there were real things that he suffered. But uh, the most obvious is, of course, the cross, which was this place of intense suffering. In fact, here's how the author in uh, Hebrews chapter 12 puts it. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Now, endured the cross just seems like a, I mean, obviously there's enduring there. It was difficult. But just to read the cross is a really loaded two words there. The the cross was not just like, oh, and he died. I mean, the cross was one of the most painful forms of capital punishment that ever existed for a few hundred years it was eventually outlawed because it was so heinous it was so horrendous and so painful even for those who were dying that they said eventually they're like this is too bad it's it's too brutal it was during that window of time that Jesus suffered on the cross but then on the cross he scorned shame and sat down ultimately at the right hand of the throne of God. Now listen, consider him who endured such opposition of sinners so that you and I will not grow weary and lose heart. You want to know what this is? This is a 2,000-year-old, he gets us letter to the Hebrews. This Before they had commercials and they could do a, hey guys, he gets us. This is what the author of Hebrews writes. He goes, hey, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's consider him. I want you to consider him who who did this, who endured the cross. I want you to consider him who endured such opposition so that you and I, when we face things like he faced, which won't be actually as bad as the cross, but when we face moments like that, you and I won't grow weary and lose heart. Because he gets suffering. He understands it. And I love right here in this verse, it's gonna point uh, to something that Jesus fixed his eyes on to make it even through his season of suffering. It says this, for the joy set before him. There was a joy that was on the other side of the cross. Now don't get hear me wrong. It's not that the cross was joyous, okay? Suffering's not joyous, right? There's not, no one who's going through suffering and they're like, yay! The the, the cross was not joy. There was something on the other side of the cross that was joy that he fixed his eyes on. Part of that is sitting down at the right hand of the father. Hebrews chapter 2 tells us another part of that was uh, that he went through the suffering in bringing many sons and daughters to glory. So making a way for you and I to have a restored relationship with our heavenly father through faith in what Jesus accomplished for us at the cross was a part of the thing that also was bringing him joy. It was on the other side of what He was going through. So, if Jesus was able to focus on something on the other side of suffering that would drive him through the moment of suffering, there's something that you and I need to learn from him because he says, Consider him, let's learn from him so that we won't grow weary and lose heart when we face seasons of suffering. Are you with me? Okay, so here's what we're going to kind of ask today and answer is what are some of the things that we can anchor our hearts to as we endure suffering? Like, what is the future joy that is set before us that is being accomplished in our suffering? So I'm going to read a handful of verses to you. Uh, I would encourage you, honestly, to take notes um, because you're all going to face suffering at some point, okay? Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, it says this, I want to know Christ. How many of you want to know Christ more intimately? okay bunch of us. To know the power of his resurrection. How many of you want to know the power of Christ's resurrection displayed over you, in you, through you? And participation in his... What? How how many of you? And all the hands went down. Hold on. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to participate in his sufferings see many of us want the first part of that verse but we don't want the second part of that verse but here's the deal if you want to experience resurrection power guess what resurrection means bringing dying things or dead things back to life and the only place where you experience that is in the middle of this right this is a part of the equation that unleashes this suffering unleashes his power. It positions us for this. If you're taking notes, write this down because this is what suffering does. Suffering positions me to experience his power. you're perfectly positioned to actually experience his power in you through you and over you here's how the apostle paul put it in second corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 through 10 but he said to me this god spoke to the apostle paul and he said my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness when you feel weak when you feel beat up when you when you're suffering therefore paul's now going to speak i will boast all the more gladly now about feeling weak about weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. He's going to add to it. In insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Are you hearing suffering going on in Paul's life? He's like, I delight in all those things not because they're really fun for me to go through, but when I am weak, then I am strong. And that's not just a nice little like thing that he said, hey, let's just make a cross stitch and hang it in my grandmother's living room for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And doesn't that sound nice? He's, he's not saying it just because it's like, it's what i somehow produce when I'm weak, all of a sudden I'm strong. No, he's like, when I'm weak, then I experience the resurrection power of God in me. When I'm weak, I'm positioned for his strength to be all over me. And so if you're in the season of suffering, guess what? You're actually positioned to experience a grace of his power over your life that you wouldn't experience outside of that season of suffering. Second thing, Psalm chapter 119, verse 71. It was good for me to be afflicted, said no one ever. Right? (laughs) This is, like, this is going to be one of the most like, bizarre, paradoxical messages because everything about suffering, he's going to be like, this is great. And it's all throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, and everything in between. I bet it's on the maps on the back, okay? It's good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. So that I might learn your decrees. If you're taking notes, write this down. What suffering does is it positions me to know His word, to know it. Have you ever, there's a difference between hearing God's word and knowing God's word. Have you ever experienced this? Maybe you hear me preach on a Sunday or on a Thursday or whatever it is, or you hear another pastor, you read a verse of the Bible and you just kind of just glaze over it. And then all of a sudden, You're going through something in life and that same verse that you've heard before all of a sudden just like comes alive to you. And it's like, I don't know, the the blinders come off and you're like, oh my word, this is the most important verse in all of the Bible. Have you ever experienced something like that? Where all of a sudden it comes alive to you. It's like you heard it, but you didn't know it. What suffering does is actually positions you not just hear God's word, but to know God's word. Picture it a little bit like this. Uh, when I was in high school, I took Spanish. I took two and a half years of Spanish. That's right. Only the other half because I was a third year dropout. Um, and as a result, I, I just, I don't know Spanish as well as I wish I did. Like, I really wish I could speak the language fluently. I've, I bought Rosetta Stone to learn it. I've, I've got all the, the apps to learn it because I wish I could really understand it because in, in our lives, like I go places and people are, speaking Spanish. I wish I understood. Like if I go to the grocery store, I can probably hear people speaking Spanish, but let me just, I'll tell you this. I never try to listen in and decipher what they're saying because I'm just not that good at it. However, I do travel kind of periodically and I'll go to you know, countries where Spanish is the dominant language. It's the, it's the language they speak. And when I'm there, I am listening to every conversation in the grocery store, on the streets, every person I'm trying to decipher everything that they're saying. I get about a fifth of what they're saying. So that, that's about where I'm at. And I sit there and I'm listening, I'm paying attention, I'm trying to know and I, and I understand about a fifth of it. So what's the difference between the grocery store here in the grocery store in Costa Rica? It's, it's the setting, right? In one setting, I just glaze over. In the other setting, I'm diligently paying attention. And here's the deal. Suffering is the setting where the word of God will all of a sudden break loose. And you'll hear it. You'll know it. It's where you're diligently paying attention to it. And it actually has the ability to shape your heart and your faith. And so if you're like, I hate this season of suffering, don't miss what can happen in this season of suffering, which is the word of God. Verses that you've glazed over in one setting actually can come alive and completely transform your faith journey right now in this setting. So what should you do if you're in the middle of of a season of suffering, especially around the word of God? Here's what you should do. Memorize it memorize like one verse, find a a verse that speaks to what you're dealing with, what you're struggling with, and then just meditate on that verse. Remind yourself, read it over and over and over again, rehearse it over and over and over again, and what you'll find is all of a sudden you will know that in such a way that it shapes your heart and your faith in a fresh way. The psalmist says, I delight in these seasons of affliction because that I might know his decrees. Third, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 therefore we do not lose heart though outwardly we're wasting away yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles your seasons of suffering what the apostle paul is going to describe it as right now is he's going to describe your most your darkest hours your darkest seasons as light and momentary you're like this does not feel light or momentary and he's like in the whole In the whole scheme of things, it's light and momentary. And they're achieving for us something. They're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, what do we do? So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. That's the short and momentary thing. But what is unseen is eternal. Taking notes, write this down. What suffering does is it positions me to shift my mindset from temporary to eternal. To to not just look at the moment right now, but to start to imagine and know that there's something bigger that's being accomplished here. Something eternal that's playing out here. Any of you uh, do eBay back in the day? Maybe some of you are still eBaying. Come on. Is there... Seriously, anyone? A handful of you, eBay. Okay, so how many of you made the exact same mistakes that I made in year one of eBay? It was like all of a sudden we discovered this website. All of a sudden there's these auctions and things are are happening in front of you, and it's happening really fast. There's a countdown. I'm refreshing my browser constantly. You remember doing this? And you're like, I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna. You're you're like trying like to outbid people, and you overpaid for lots of things. Anyone with me? Because you got caught up in it, and you're like, this is, and and I look at my wife, I'd be like, and you'd have the winning bid. And then all of a sudden, you'd lose it in the last 10 seconds. You're like, I don't know, should we go, ah, ah, buy, buy, buy. And you're just like bidding, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, no, I just way overpaid. And it took me about a year to, to realize that there would always be another auction. That's what it took me a year to figure out. A year because what I would do is I got so caught up in that timeline, that, that, that little clock counting down. I'd be like, I don't, I don't, bid, 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 you know? And I just got, I got all caught in the frenzy of it because it was like in the moment. And once I eventually figured out there's always another one, I, I could see beyond this little auction right now that there's something further down the road. It helped me to actually be able to be wiser with my, my bidding and, and that type of thing. But what happens is we are such immediate. We are Burger King people. Have it my way right away. Right? That's how we think. And we get caught up in the moment of now. And we need to become a people who live with purpose for today, but from a perspective of eternity. That's a good statement. We need to become a people who live with purpose for today. From the perspective of eternity. What did we celebrate two weeks ago? Easter. Us remembering and celebrating the resurrection Christ. That Jesus didn't just die and was raised to life, but that he is also currently still alive. Right? That at the cross, he won victory over sin and death. And he proved it by raising from the dead. Is Jesus still alive? Yeah. Is Jesus still victorious? Yeah. Is Jesus still producing a bigger kingdom win? Yeah. Like, that's what we celebrated two weeks ago. And two weeks later, nothing's changed, folks. He's still alive. He's still victorious. He's still winning. He's still producing a bigger kingdom. Win. He still has something eternal that he's producing that is always for good because that's what he's in the business of doing. Romans chapter eight, verse 28, it says this. And we know that in all things, say all things. All, all things. God works for the good. Say good. Yes. Of those who love him, say love him. Because this is so important that he works all things for the good of those, not just for everyone in the world, but for those who love him, for those who are surre- who have surrendered everything to him. Because guess what? When you surrender every aspect of your life to Jesus, you want to know what you just did? You set him up to say, I-, I want you to be the king of every area of my life. And he goes, over that type of life, in all of those situations, I make good things out of every aspect of it. In fact, the only places where you actually... Re- restrict God's goodness are the places where you can still control. The places where you go I refuse to surrender this area of my life are the areas that you actually restrict the goodness of the Lord upon your life. But for every area that you go God I want to love you with everything I am, you actually set yourself up for the good for for good to come out of every area of your life. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Any of you guys see the movie uh, Lord of the Rings back in the day? Probably most of us. There was uh, this one character, Legolas. He's the, he's the elf in there, or elves. He's one of the elves. And he's got elvish eyes, which I always felt was like this really unfair advantage for the elves. Like, he, he just goes kind of to the crest of a hill and he just goes... Looks out, you know, and, and he's like, oh, the orc army, they're two days ahead of us, and they're getting ready to advance on so-and-so, you know, and, and you're like, man, that's so unfair that he just can see what is two days out from them. How many of you would like elvish eyes in the, on the horizon of your life, right? You're like, I just want to see what's about two days ahead of me. Like, what's on the other side of this horizon? Okay, so God has given us, in his word, spiritual eyes to be able to see what's on the other side of your horizon. You want to know what's on the other side of the horizon? Good. Short and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. There is a good, there is a win, there's a victory that is on the other side of this suffering moment that you're going through because He's producing something for you in the midst of it that is actually for His good. Fourth and final point 1 Peter 5, verse 10. And the God of all grace who called you into his eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while, it's just a little while, we're gonna make it through, folks, will himself restore you and make you, ho, oh, oh, that's good, strong, firm, and steadfast. See, this, what this speaks to is that there's not just an eternal outcome, but there's also a present and uh, immediate actual outcome here and now and that he is producing in us strength a firm foundation, and a steadfastness within us. Here's how uh, James chapter one, verse two through four says it. Consider it pure joy, my brothers. <laughs> Don't you love this? There's just so much happiness in the midst of trials. Consider, consider it a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith with by the way, in the middle of your trial, this is supposed to be a faith journey. If you engage your faith in the middle Of the trial, it will produce something supernatural. Produces perseverance, and perseverance will finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, and lacking nothing. Who wants to be mature? Anyone? Okay. Who wants to be complete? Who wants to lack nothing? (laughs) Double hands for me. Okay, so the journey to that is many trials. Many trials that engage my faith grow me in perseverance and produce all these things. If you've taken notes, write this down because perseverance or what uh, this does is that suffering positions me for maturity. It positions me for maturity. There's a growing that God is actually doing in you and through you in moments of suffering. I, I said in each one of these That it positions us. It positions us to know his power or experience his power. Positions me to know his word. Positions me to shift my mindset from the eternal uh, or, or the temporary to the eternal. Positions me for maturity. But it's just where I am positioned. If you don't purpose in this position to step into God's purposes for you in the midst of your suffering, guess what, you might stumble into Satan's purposes for you. Because I don't know if you're aware, but just like God has a desire for what he wants to produce in a season of suffering, Satan also has a purpose of what he wants to produce in the middle of your season of suffering, and it's always the opposite of what God is going after. So just even consider that last one, which was about maturity. Satan wants suffering to produce bitterness, anger, rage, malice, unforgiveness, He wants you to be stunted in your faith, not mature, but actually stunted. Have you ever known someone who went through a season of suffering and they walked out angry at God and mad at the world? It's because they weren't purposeful to step into what God wanted to produce in faith in the season of suffering, and instead they stumbled into what Satan wanted to produce in that season of suffering. I promise you, God has a divine purpose for this season and the enemy he wants to rob steal and destroy out of this season it's really up to you child of God how you are going to position your heart as you go through the season are you going to engage faith which in turn uh, grows you in perseverance and makes you mature complete lacking nothing or are you going to stumble and maybe walk away bitter angry Frustrated. Lacking. I want to close this here in prayer. Um, and I want you all to stand with me. And as we close, at the end, I really do want to invite anyone who's going through a legitimate, if you would say, I'm in a season of suffering, our prayer team wants to pray specifically for you and pray into what you're facing before you leave here today. Please don't leave here today cuz I'm just going to do a general prayer here at the end, okay? But if for breakthrough over your season of suffering so we can pray specifically into what God can produce in your moment of suffering. Don't leave without getting some prayer from one of our prayer team members. You can do that online as well. You can do it in VR. Uh, but let me pray over all of us. And, uh, and then I just wanna invite you to, uh, to come on down to the front at the end if, if that's uh, where you're at. Okay, so Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you that Jesus is, uh, that you are the model. That you get us, you've been through suffering, and you did it with the joy set before you. So you fixed your eyes on what was being produced in the season of suffering. And Lord, we know you're still in that same business, that you're producing something of a kingdom win in the middle of our season of suffering. We just declare that in Jesus' name, that you're up to something good, that you're actually gonna produce something that even we will find joy in after going through this season. And so, Lord, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of our heavenly Father. And we follow, actually, in that model so that we will not grow weary or lose heart. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting Lakeland.church forward slash give.